This is episode 111 of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today's guest is CTV sports reporter in Regina, Britt Dort. Britt and I talk about her fandoms in all the major North American pro sports leagues, as well as a bit about her job that she recently got and what it's like being a sports reporter in Regina. So sit back and enjoy today's episode. But first, a word from our sponsor. If you're like most people, you strive to eat healthy as much as you can, but it gets really difficult when life gets in the way. We get busy, we're running around doing lots of things, it's hard. Being able to eat healthy on the go is super important more than ever now, and that's why I'm here to tell you about G2G Protein Bars. They're the best protein bar for eating healthy on the go. It's made with all natural ingredients, they're fresh, it tastes like homemade, but it's even better. G2G Bars have 18 grams of protein and are gluten-free. With eight different flavors, there's so many different things that you can enjoy about the great tastes of G2G bars and what they have to offer. They're fresh, healthy, and delicious. Make sure to get yours at g2gbar.ca or at your local retailer in Canada or the U.S. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Sit back and enjoy stories and insight from sports icons from all over. Welcome to Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Today, we're going all the way back to the beautiful land of the living skies in Saskatchewan. Britt Dort, CTV reporter in Regina, is our guest today. Britt, I'm glad to talk with you. I always enjoy conversation with friendly Saskatchewan folk, and you have found your way back to your home in Saskatchewan with your new job as a CTV sports reporter in Regina. Well, thanks so much. I've never done a podcast before, so this is, uh, it's weird, and I'm always so used to asking the questions, so this is going to be weird to have you ask them to me, but I'm really excited, so thanks for having me. Well, let's let's get started. So first, I want to ask you a bit about what got you into sports reporting and broadcasting, because I know you went to Mount Royal, you also studied a bit at Medicine Hat College, but you are originally from Saskatchewan. And I know that when it comes to people like us who are originally from the prairies, that there's not as many opportunities for education, quote unquote, when it comes to sports broadcasting. So I want to ask you, what made you go study in Alberta? And before that, what was the thing that inspired you to get into sports reporting, journalism and broadcasting? Um, well, I was very fortunate. So I grew up um, in a small, small town in southwest Saskatchewan, about 400 people um, called Fox Valley. But when I was a teenager, my parents, we moved, my whole family moved to Medicine Hat in Alberta. So I kind of feel like I did spend 10 years in Alberta, but I've spent most more than that in Saskatchewan. Um, so I kind of consider myself both a Saskatchewanian and a little bit of an Albertan. Um, so that's kind of why I started my education at just Medicine Hat College. When I was out of high school, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Um I kind of switched my major like three or four times before I really knew what I wanted. I was just young and we were kind of talking about this at work today about what 18 year old really does know what they want to go into. Um, And I, once I got into broadcasting and broadcast journalism, I remember thinking, how did I not think about this from the start? But it was kind of just the classic you're in high school. Okay. Do I want to be a nurse or do I want to be a teacher or just all the mainstream I felt like jobs in college that you would go into in programs. And so I really didn't think about broadcast journalism or communications or really anything um, until I just kind of took a little bit of time off from school. I did my first year of college. Um, I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the program I was in. And so I had to have a lot of conversations and a lot of research. And the only thing that would kind of spark joy in me um, or would kind of give me butterflies when I'd look at the program was broadcasting um, or public relations. I really wanted to go into PR and do sports in any form in that sense. Um, and so those were the only two that I thought, okay, I actually want to do that because I'd want to do it for my whole life. And that's something I think millennials or the younger generations are really looking at now. It's okay. It's about being happy. It's not just about having a career. And, uh, so yeah, I, I applied for them at Mount Royal university. Um, I'd actually already been going to Mount Royal because I just had been kind of been open studies at the time to figure out what I was doing. And lo and behold, I got in and I always knew the first day I walked into broadcasting that I was in the program to do something in sports. And it's never been about like being on camera or anything. I just always wanted to do something in sports, whether that was in writing, um, again, in communications. I just always knew that was my passion because sports has always been such a huge aspect of my life, my family's life. And it's the only thing that really, again, brings happiness to me because it's 
something that brings happiness to kind of everyone. And I wanted to be in an industry that could bring happiness to a lot of people. You mentioned that it's something that's been with you for a long time. Were there any key memories from your youth or growing up that come to mind when you reflect back on how sports impacted you and inspired you to go down the path that you're on right now? For sure. Like, I mean, I said, I grew up in a very sports-minded family. My dad and brother are absolute sports nuts. And I always felt like I vibed a little bit more with them on that sense. My sister's like, she's definitely just more the other side of things, um, even though she was extremely athletic as well. But I would say growing up in a small town in Saskatchewan, really helped that. I find a lot of rural people are big sports nuts. I mean, we were so fortunate because we lived in a rural spot that we had access to the rink anytime we wanted to go. My dad was like in charge of the rink. So I would get up with him before school and go down and flood the ice with him, like riding the Zamboni. And we could skate anytime we wanted. On Christmas day, if we wanted to go unlock the doors, we could go. And that was just kind of the thing. In the winter, you were at the rink every day after school or before school, during school. In the summer, you were at the swimming pool or you were at the ball diamonds. You were always active because in a rural spot, that's all you have. You don't have anywhere to go, uh, you know, for entertainment. So that was our entertainment and I loved it. And my family was just diehard sports fans. So if we weren't out watch, like playing sports, we were at home watching sports because that was before you could watch highlights at any time you wanted or games or anything. So you were at home game time watching it. So I think that just played a role in always being involved in it and just always being around it. What were the sports that you enjoyed playing the most in your youth? Um, I always laugh at this because I come from a huge hockey family and I did not end up being a hockey player, Um, but I actually ended up being a gymnast. So it's really nothing to do with any of the sports that I will kind of cover now in my new position, but Gymnastics is definitely my my favorite sport, and it still is my favorite sport to watch, to pay attention to. Um, I always tell people it's the hardest sport. I'm biased. And, you know, I was somebody who, after I finished the sport, I, I coached in it for a number of years. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, gymnastics is definitely number one. But baseball, I always loved baseball. I loved volleyball. Um, like I said, I wasn't good at hockey. So, I was. my siblings were good at hockey. They went on to go to kind of like Notre Dame and do that route. And I was definitely the one who didn't. <laughs> So then did you still watch hockey and enjoy being involved with the sport in some, some aspect, or was it uh, you were just the, the, the outlier of your family completely? Um, I would say it's funny because my sister played hockey, but I was the one who was mostly interested in it. Like I I've watched hockey since I was a young, young kid with my family. Like I said, with my dad and my brother, and I've definitely continued that. That's always been a habit or something I've carried with me, you know, when, my dad would take us to Flames games because that was the closest NHL uh, venue, I guess, to us. So, you know, as a kid, I remember that as much. And I'd be so excited or even going to watch junior hockey and things like that. It's definitely always been in my veins. I just, I guess I wasn't blessed with the hockey skills, but I feel like I have a little bit of the mindset for it. So then having said that, would the Calgary Flames be your, the team that you cheer for and support in hockey? Or is, did you, uh, veer off the path a little bit and go rogue and not cheer for a Canadian team or not cheer for a team in your home province. <laughs> yeah. You know what? My dad picked all of his teams as a kid. I think when they were all good, cause it's kind of cursed us. He's a huge Philadelphia Flyers fan. Um, and so basically we were born into a Flyers family and I, I wouldn't have it any other way as frustrating as it is. So yeah, we're huge Flyers fans. Um, but the flames have always held a kind of a little spot in our heart because of the fact um that they were the closest spot. And, you know, my dad went to school in Calgary. I went to school in Calgary. My parents met in Calgary. Um, so Calgary's always kind of held a little spot. We had a lot of family there. So flames were just always an access point to us. And I mean, back in the day, um, well, they're in separate conferences. So that helped. And back in the day, the flames and flyers would only play each other once a season, but now obviously they travel back and forth and they have to play twice. So uh, yeah, it was rare that you ever had to worry about the flames and flyers kind of being in a, a spot together. So I feel like we do have a little place in our heart for the flames, but we're definitely diehard Flyers fans. You must have some great and also some haunting memories from the 2009, 2010 season. Then if you are a big Flyers fan. Yeah, it's probably the only season it's, it's even though it didn't end the way that obviously you would want it as a Flyers fan. Um, it's the most memorable season and still my happiest season. Like I still have a shirt that says like 2010 Eastern conference champs. And I, I shouldn't wear it because it's not like they went on to win the the cup but uh I I love that season um Simone Gagne is my all-time favorite Philadelphia Flyer and he was incredible and 
in that entire playoff run, but especially in the Bruins series um, when they came down from their three nothing deficit. But yeah, that that's amazing. My dad and brother actually went down to Philly for games three and four when they played Chicago. Uh, I was young. I was like 15, so I didn't get to go on the trip, but it is. It's the best season, and I always worry that that's the only time that I'm going to experience a run like that. I mean, the last run they had before that was in 97, so I was two years old, um, and they got swept by Detroit that year, I'm pretty sure, so I wouldn't remember, but uh, I, I do worry. I'm like, please, before I die, I just want to see one Stanley Cup, so that would be nice. It's always unfortunate whenever these scenarios come up when you cheer for teams based on parental heritage or based on other obscure, arbitrary reasons. And then you sit there and you have felt invested and you're like, well, if I leave now, then I've lost my integrity. But if I stay, then they're not going to win. So I don't know what's going on here. I feel so conflicted, especially when it comes to Canadian teams too, like Winnipeg or Calgary. I mean, at least Calgary's won once. And then 04, they came so close. I mean, both of us were super young kids, so I don't, not a hockey fan and I wouldn't have had any, any memories of that, but I'm sure that if if you cheer for the flames, even a smidgen that you've heard it was in 10,000 times since your youth. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, back to four, even too. the Flyers had a pretty deep run that year too. They were the ones who Tampa beat in the third round to go to the Stanley cup final and beat the flames. So I remember when Tampa beat the Flyers, I was like, well, at least like, hopefully the flames can beat Tampa. Now I remember thinking that. So same thing. That was a really deep run that I remembered kind of having a little bit of like heartstrings pulled on. Um, but yeah, I agree. I feel like, the number one thing in sports that people, not the number one, but one of the things people get frustrated in sports most about is the classic calling people like bandwagoners. Like, Oh, you're such a bandwagoner. And I feel like I've cheered for teams that have just struggled my entire life. So, and people know what teams I cheer for. Cause I am very loyal that I'm like, you know what? The one thing I can say is I'll never be called a bandwagoner because people know that I've cheered for some crappy teams, especially this year. If you look at the flyers, one of the worst teams in the league, but I'm still there. So it's unfortunate because it almost seems like a few years coming. It's it's funny you mentioned actually <laughs> living in Calgary and loving the Flyers. I got more into following the NHL because a friend of mine who I met when I was studying in Calgary, who loves the Flames and the Flyers, knew so much about the NHL. And he taught me everything about the history and the stats and the players. So I started to grow a bit of an appreciation for the Flyers. And I was like, oh, I always want to see them do well. And I was saying to him actually earlier this year, I was like, well, it Unfortunately, we could have seen this coming because they were good and then they started to taper off and eventually like Detroit too, they were very good for such a long stretch and then they bottomed out and that uh, it's just the resetting of the cycle. But just like the Flames, you know, they'll they'll be back to the top eventually, maybe sooner than later, like teams like Arizona or Seattle or Anaheim, yeah. something like that. So maybe not all hope is lost, but it's been a little bit of time since they've had a real successful run. Yes, it definitely has. And I'm just praying in my lifetime that it happens. We'll just, we'll just give it that one. It may be a while till they rebuild. This season was really rough. This is one of the worst seasons I mean, I've experienced as a fan. So uh, let's pray there's something on the horizon here. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, another football team you cheer for sounds very similar to your home province, Riders. It's the, the uh, Las Vegas, uh, not Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm correct. Is that also another byproduct of your father influencing your entire family's decision to cheer for an NFL team? Absolutely. Yes. He was a big, at the time, like Oakland Raiders fan, Los Angeles Raiders fan. uh, And then now it's Vegas. Um, And so, yeah, same thing. And I didn't feel like I really got into NFL football until way later in life. Like I would say I was even in college, like I always just called myself a Raiders fan and I, I would watch the games that they were on TV, but I didn't really know much about them. Um, and I think which actually did upset my dad and brother because they're such diehards, but I really got into NFL football. I would say the last like four or five years. Um, and yeah, now I'm like, no wonder I didn't want to get into it. Cause same thing, very frustrating team to cheer for. Hopefully this season, they look a little better and a couple good signings. We'll hope so. But. So of, of the, of the teams in that you, so the Raiders, the Riders, the Flyers, do you have an MLB team as well or not really? Yeah, I'm actually, this is the only team that I wasn't born into that I cheer for on my own. I'm actually a huge Phillies fan. Um, I love Philadelphia in general. Like we're Sixers fans in my family, which is awesome. They just beat the Raptors uh, in round one, which has been awesome for us. That's a little payback from a couple of years ago. Only a smidgen. (laughs) Yeah, 
I know. I was, I was, <laughs> I was wincing last night after the first half. I was like, why is it this close? But we were good. But no, so I'm a Phillies fan, but my dad and brother are actually huge Reds fans. So it's whatever reason, it's the only team that I just said, no, I want to be a Philly fan pretty much through and through. We always joke we're closet Eagles fans because same thing. They're kind of like our flames of the NFL. We don't really care if what they do. We kind of just like, yeah, if they do well, that's okay. So did what what attracted you to cheering for the Phillies then besides the fact you love Philadelphia like besides the fact you love Philadelphia like was there something about the team or was it like you saw the mascot and you're like wow like Philadelphia is known for the outrageous mascots so I just have to jump on the bandwagon or I guess he would have been the original he would have been there before Gritty so maybe that was the initial inspiration for Gritty <laughs> yeah the Philly fanatic could you imagine no I I really can't tell you what it attracted me most to the Phillies I just again I I love Philadelphia as a city and I love um just how much players enjoy playing there. When you talk to any professional athlete, really, uh, they have such great things to say about playing in Philly. And even though it kind of gets a bad rep sometimes for kind of its crazy fans, I, I still really enjoy it. And like, for instance, I was watching a Phillies game the other day and they had Bryce Harper mic'd up and they were talking to him and just talking about how tough Philly fans can be to play for. And cause you know, the Phillies had a little bit of a rough start to the season and he kind of said, he's like, you know what? Philly fans are still the best. They let you know when you're not doing well. And they let you know when you are doing well. And he's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't want to play anywhere else. And I mean, Bryce Harper has seen success. And we saw him have great success in Washington. And it was so exciting when he signed with Philly a few years ago. And so to hear him say that when he's only been there for a few seasons, and I mean, two of them have been in a pandemic. I thought that was interesting. I feel like it's just, it's the city of brotherly love. Athletes love to play there. Um, for the most part, I mean, maybe Ben Simmons would say different, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it's just, again, I love the city of Philly. It's my dream to go to Philly and be able to catch as many sports as I can, hopefully cross over a little bit of MLB and NHL and have to be MLB playoffs. So hopefully they go on a playoff run this year and it could go, but. So then you haven't been, been to Philadelphia yet. No, that is my dream. I always say it's, it's my favorite city and I've never been there. <laughs> So are there any other things that compile into the, the Philadelphia departments then for you, or does it, the buck stop with, with sports? Yeah, pretty much. I, I don't know if I'd want a cheesesteak when I'm there. I know that's one of their classics. I'd like to go to the Liberty Bell. I'd like to go around the Rocky steps. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I really feel like I would just feel at home there as weird as that is. I don't know if I'd fit in, but I feel like I'd feel at home. Do you watch the television show? It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I should. I don't watch it. I, every time I see it, I think I should probably watch this show. Maybe it would give me a little bit of a better picture of Philly too. I don't know. I remember when the first, when the show first came out, I think uh, it was, it was in the mid to late two thousands and it didn't start to become popular until after I'd already graduated from high school. And I know that my older brother had showed me the program and he said, man, you got to watch a show. It's so funny. And I was like, what like what kind of name is this for a show is that it's kind of strange and then when I started watching it I realized okay if you're someone that appreciates good humor especially if you're someone that enjoys sports teams from Philadelphia it is a show that is very worth your while getting into I don't know if you're a binger or not whether you are or not I think that it is a very strong strongly suggested show that you should watch in any spare time that you do have Okay, I promise you I will watch it because I've actually always wanted to. I just, I don't know why I haven't. I feel like I just kind of always stick to my other shows, like my How I Met Your Mothers and Friends and things like that. Well, I mean, those those are also other very popular shows too. And Always Sunny was is one that has now gained a similar popular or following in terms of popularity, but it wasn't always like that before. So I wouldn't blame you if you hadn't seen all your friends talking about it or watching it because again, even when... When I knew people talking about it, it was like in the fringes of society. It wasn't really out in the open like it is now after it's had more than a decade run on television. So, Okay, I promise it's on my list. So of all the teams that you cheer for then, how would you rank the order of most meaningful championship wins? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I feel like because the most... Well, actually, okay, that's a lie. I was going to say most recent would be the Phillies back in 08, but most recent, I grew up in a Riders family, um, so obviously 2013 would be the most recent championship then that I've experienced, and that one would be the most memorable because I, I was that much older. I was, I think, 18 when, in 2013, um, 
and my dad didn't take me to the game. He took my brother. So I still hold him accountable to that one. But I would, I would say that one um, would definitely hold the biggest place just because it, it, when you talk to anybody around here and now that I'm in Regina and I work here and with the fact that Regina is hosting Grey Cup for the first time since then this year, everybody is comparing it to 2013 and all you hear are stories from 2013 and I love hearing them. Um, and it, it was a little bit too in that age where social media wasn't as big yet. Social media was a thing. So I feel like people absorb the moment so much more and I just, I love it. I hear, and hearing from my brother and my dad to them being there and them experiencing it. Uh, I almost feel like I was there and I just remember watching and yeah. So I would say obviously the 2013 breakup, which the amount of times when we would ask on our, the morning show that I anchor, you know, your favorite sports moment in history the amount of people who would answer and say the 2013 Great Cup, everybody in Saskatchewan will remember that moment and talk about that game and talk about that run. I think until the day they die. Like, I think even if this year, if Saskatchewan won on home turf again, I still don't even think it could compare to 2013 as bad as like, I mean, it probably could, but for some people it couldn't. I think the reason why it couldn't is because of what led up to it. Maybe you can look at what the riders have experienced the last two years and say, okay, yes, they lost in the West final to the Bombers back-to-back years, which first of all, they hadn't even played each other in a West final uh, since 1972 before the one in 2019. And then they lost at home. And some Bomber fans I know were saying, well, this makes up for 07. Like not quite. You have to beat them in the great cup for it to fully make up for it. But it was still amazing to actually be at nonetheless, because the atmosphere when the ball hit the crossbar was amazing for away fans, not so much for the home fans. And then the next year happens again. And if they were to actually overcome that and win the great cup at home this year after beating the bombers in the West final, then it would be amazing and triumphant, but it doesn't compare to the 13th man. And then again, an exact rematch in the same province, the next year, almost a year to the date and then losing again. And then finally, some years later, they get back to the big game and then they win it all. And it's at home in the last possible time that can ever be hosted in old mosaic. That's what I've heard from people around Saskatchewan and especially a former guest on my podcast, Rob Vanstone, who I'm sure that you'll soon get to know very well, who he, he only knows, he knows a few things about the riders, like maybe two or three, like four is a stretch. So if you ask him, like, that's what he would probably lean towards. But that's, I think there's a justifiable reasoning for why 2013 will be so memorable for riders fans. I agree. And I agree with the old mosaic too. I mean, new mosaic's gorgeous. It's a beautiful stadium. They've pumped a lot into it. Um, it's awesome to go to games in, but there was something about old mosaic that your heart was in it. Saskatchewan was in it. And I don't know, it, it is, it's a different field going to new mosaic even, and it's not necessarily bad. It's just different. And a lot of people don't like change. So I think the old mosaic atmosphere does have a lot to do with it. Also, shout out to Rob Vanstone. He is awesome. He's an amazing human, and he knows everything and anything about the Riders, if you need to know anything. Um, and I agree. I was actually at the game in 08 with the 13th man. So that was one of my one of my first Rider games, I think. And my dad brought me to that great cup. So maybe that's why he didn't bring me in 2013, because I was bad luck in 08. So, so are you going to do everything you can to avoid the great cup this year then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see what the results are. I was actually talking to the play-by-play voice for the Riders uh, this week, and I asked him for a prediction. And, and he wouldn't give it. So I feel like I can't give any predictions of what will happen in 2020 in the Great Cup. But I don't want to show my bias because now that I'm in the sports role, I got to gotta play it fair and see how it plays out. Yeah, it's, it's part of the job and it's understandable. You know, maybe deep down, you don't tell anybody like you, you like seeing this play happen. But I think one of the things I've been told by professionals in the industry who are far older than we are is that you eventually start cheering for people. And I've started to see a bit of that. And I'm sure that, that you have too, when you start to tell the stories of people that are very well known or not very well known, that you start to become attached more to individual stories than necessarily the the laundry that the team wears, you know, sorry for the Seinfeld reference, but. No, and I completely agree. And I mean, obviously being here in Regina, you, you do cover the riders the most. So you get to know players. And I mean, um, just even from my previous position where you would interview players or former players and things like that. Now, obviously I'm more immersed in the team and getting to know them. And, you know, somebody like Cody Fajardo is just an amazing human, you know, off the field. He is just an amazing guy. He's so nice. He takes the time for everybody. And so that's the same thing. Like you're rooting for him. And he's somebody like this year when I was able to chat with him a couple weeks ago, just kind of teeing up this really important season, you know, he, he's talking about becoming a father for the first time. Um, his wife's pregnant with their little son right now that's due in September. 
And he said his main goal this season is he wants to have his baby in a picture in the Grey Cup. Like, that's his motivation to win Grey Cup. And it's like, how does that not pull at your heartstrings and not make you want to root for somebody like that? Because he is. He's such a good human off the field. And on the field, I know he's an awesome teammate from, you know, guys saying that. So it's hard. Yeah, you, you want to root for somebody like that. But then I'm sure the quarterback on the other side could tell me a, a heartfelt story, and I'd be rooting for them too. So That is true. I mean, l- literally the last two seasons, Zach Kalaros, someone that was in Saskatchewan, someone that who people thought his career was gone to the grave and came back against all the odds. And also in the midst of becoming a father again, and just like the parallels are insane. And, you know, Cody Fajardo is someone who I think, uh, you know, should be held with high regard in the eyes of all CFL fans just outside of football, because of what a great person he is. And especially considering the expectations that were put on him, when Kalaros went down to now the expectations have inflated like crazy. And I think it's a little bit tough to understand, okay, this guy went from no one expected anything of him to everyone expects the world of him. So just give the man a break. He's doing pretty well. He'll be fine. And especially when it comes to riders fans reflecting on the experiences they've had before this century, quarterbacking was it's a bit okay besides Ken Austin there wasn't a whole whack of guys that were that were CFL all-stars and lighting it up and I think the Riders fans are very blessed to have seen a lot of the most of their great history in more recent years unlike the Riders fans who would have been older than your parents who had to wait an entire lifetime almost to see the first great cup and then almost half another one to see the second and for some they had only seen two in many, many years. So the Riders fans are very fortunate to have someone like Cody Fajardo and also to have witnessed a lot of their successful history in more in the last like 15 years compared to when it took like 70 to see two great cups. Yes, I, I completely agree. It's amazing that I've been able to see two great cups in my lifetime, like you said, and my dad was waiting a very long time to see them again in 07 there. But, and I agree, you know, Kalaros and Fajardo are, are both um, – phenomenal quarterbacks and they're going to do so much this season. I think what analysts are saying, this is kind of just going on a sports side of rant here, you know, looking at those teams, I mean, you, you have said it right there. They're being relied on so heavily. Fans are, are looking to them to take these teams to another successful season. Cause I mean, the bombers, the riders are expected to be pretty decent this year, but it's right now everybody's worried. Okay. What happens if Kalaros or Fajardo go down? Cause the backup situation right now it, for Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, it's, going to be an interesting one what they have teed up for the year I remember the last time Saskatchewan and Winnipeg had to rely on their backups and with Winnipeg it was just a glimpse of a game that was meaningless but didn't look great and the last time the Riders had to rely on a backup long term was around the time that you were probably just in starting college when they it was Tino Sinceri and and um I can't remember who the other person was that came into play but Durant had I think he had torn his Achilles in 2014 and Sinceri went in and it was just, yeah, it was not a fun time. I mean, the Bombers too, they experienced the days of Brian Brom and Justin Goltz and Max Hall and Joey Elliott and a thousand quarterbacks in a span of four years. So it doesn't look great. And I don't think the CFL is as fun when Winnipeg and Saskatchewan aren't good, even though financially, maybe the league would say otherwise and they would want an Eastern team to be good like the Toronto Argonauts. But again, we'll have to wait for the season to start to see what goes down. Yeah. And you know what? The Argos look pretty good this year too. So, you know what? I feel like the one, two, three right there, those are probably going to be the three top squads in my prediction books this year. Other people could say otherwise, that's fine. But I do feel like the Argos are going to, going to do okay. Of the other teams that you follow, if you had to make a choice, one of these other three teams will win a championship in the next five years, but the other two will not win for another 50 which team would you choose to win a championship between the Flyers, Raiders, and the Phillies? Oh, that's that's a good one. I feel like because the Phillies won in 08, that's okay. I can get rid of them. Oh, that's a really tough one. I feel like my dad and brother would be like, so they. I don't know. I don't know what they would say, but I would probably say the Flyers just because I don't want them to have the longest drought for not having a cup. I don't ever want that to experience that stat because I know like Leafs fans and when people say things to other, you know, or the teams that have come into the league and haven't won a cup yet, uh, just people always throw that stat at them. And I, I get annoyed by it and being around hockey fans a lot more than maybe NFL fans. I would say Flyers. I really want to experience it. And I, and I love hockey so much. And I, I love the traditions in hockey. I love the Stanley Cup. People call it the best trophy in sports. 
Um, so I would say Flyers. I would have to see them win a championship. Probably. Yeah, we'll go with them. The Raiders, it would be cool for a Super Bowl win. Don't get me wrong, but I'd be okay. That's fair. And I think the Raiders, they have experienced, uh, they've experienced not that much success recently. Maybe the Flyers have a little bit more, but I think that both, actually both teams have a pretty similar history of being really good in the seventies and then having uh, a boomer generation of fans that hold on to memories from their childhood now passed on to the kids like yourself. So it's, it's kind of funny how those two teams actually have a pretty parallel uh, history when it comes to their success. And that's why my brother gets mad at my daddy. He always says, you picked the teams when they were good. Um, and, and then it cursed us. So yes, hopefully they get a lot better. Maybe when I'm like 50 or something, God willing. Maybe when you, when you're the age of your dad and you have your own kids and you're like, Oh, well now this team is good, but then you, you can't veer them off the path and choose a team that's good in that moment. Cause then you're going to curse your kids for the next generation. True. I agree. We'll see. I wouldn't ever let, if I had kids, I wouldn't probably let them choose their own teams either. I'd be like, just like my dad, where you're born into this family and you're going to be this fan. A hundred percent. I mean, isn't that you spend all that time and to have your son or daughter to decide to choose for not cheer for another team. Like that's, it would just be heartbreaking unless there are always exceptions. And I think that those can fly too, but it's uh, it's always great to see a family united over one team. And, and I think that's what makes sports exciting is when you see families that come together and they're so happy when one team wins or the opposite end, it's heartbreaking to see them upset when they lose. And I know, especially when it comes to Philadelphia families, the famous or infamous reaction of that family watching Kawhi hit the shot and they're like freaking out. They're like, no, no, this can't be. And, and as a Raptors fan watching it, it's, it's kind of comical because you think like, man, this was the Raptors of the team that were made fun of by Charles Barkley. They're never going to win for 50 years. And all of a sudden this too good to be true run happens. But at the end of the day, I think Philly is probably going to win a championship again before the Raptors will. So maybe they got that going for them. I guess you never know that it taunts me, the bouncing on the, the rim before it goes in. I see that in my, my dreams, my nightmares, I guess. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's, oh, that would uh, definitely be crushing to see as a fan on the opposite end. But I think there's a, uh, there's a big sign outside of someone's house close to my neighborhood here. And it says the greater your storm, the brighter your rainbow. And I think that that phrase can be applied to what happens with some sports teams is the treachery they go through. Eventually when it all comes together, it'd be the greatest story ever. So Lions fans or Browns fans or Minnesota Timberwolves fans, whatever team you cheer for that struggles when your day comes, it'll be the greatest day in your entire life. I was going to say, and I feel like a few years ago when St. Louis won the cup in, I think, 2019, it, I mean, they went from being last place to being Stanley Cup champions in the same season. Uh, and I think that's such a neat story. And I don't think people would have almost fallen in love with their story as much had they not been in last place in January and then ended up winning the Stanley Cup in June. So I think, I agree, you have to have the storm in order to get the rainbows. And they really took that to account in 2019 and did it, so... Well, the Flames and the Oilers both had very significant periods of struggling this year. More Edmonton. So does that mean that one of those two teams is going to finally shatter the long drought of no Canadian championships in the NHL? Um, you know what? We were talking about this the other day because um, the NHL playoff drafts are happening this weekend and you're getting ready to pick your players and whatever. And you're trying to decide what team you think is going to go deep this year. And there's so much parity in the NHL. And that's why I love it so, so much because yeah, it doesn't matter. As long as you make playoffs, you have a chance at the Stanley Cup in the NHL. And that's what I love. And that was the year when Philly went on their run in 2010. They, it came out of the final game of the season against the Rangers that year for them to make playoffs. And it went to a shootout. It was the most stressful game. That was more stressful, I think, than watching them in playoffs. And they, they just proved it, being an eighth seed, making it all the way to the end. And you see that so much in the NHL. And so when I look at the playoff format this year and I look at the teams making it, and really all, all it takes is to make it in the playoffs. So we look at the Flames, and they're awesome. They've had an unreal season. But realistically, the Battle of Alberta, you look at Edmonton, they play the Oilers, you know, you could see how the Oilers could come out on top because really there's just – there's rivalry. There's good players on both sides. I will say I don't see the Oilers winning the Cup this year, and Oilers fans get mad at me just because I don't think they are really a playoff format team. The Flames – I can see them going on a deep run. Again, I don't actually see them winning the cup this year either. I don't know who I see winning the cup. Again, I don't see the Leafs winning the cup. I really don't see a Canadian team winning this year. And maybe I'll eat my words in a couple months here, and that's fine. 
I mean, how many people could have predicted the last three years who won the cup? I mean, who really exactly who would have thought Vegas would have went to the cup final the first year they were in the league? Probably nobody who would have thought Montreal would be in the final last year. Probably nobody, but Canadians fans. So I don't know. I really don't know that a Canadian team will win. Florida looks really good. I think they could go on a deep run, but I also look at Carolina and I think they've had a lot of really good seasons where they've just fallen short. And I I feel like they've got to get it done in this window where they're still a good team and it really have a good team camaraderie. So I don't know. Carolina maybe would be my pick this year. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Well, I think it's, it's Carolina is not a bad choice. What I've seen as someone who maybe doesn't follow hockey as much as you do, and, and I could be wrong on this, but every time that I see these teams like Carolina or Florida and they come from nowhere and, or, you know, or from years before, not like they were terrible last year and all of a sudden they sprouted out from the ground, but the teams that don't have as much playoff experience who are really good in the regular season and then they fall short or they don't do it in the, in the playoffs. And I think that, especially when it comes to Florida, yes, they've won the president's trophy, but how will that translate to the playoffs? I think a team like Boston, as much as I regret to say that, because I don't like Boston teams at all, has a better chance of going farther in the playoffs because they've been there more times than anyone else. It's like, do the Golden State Warriors really need to be the first seed to go deep in the playoffs? No, they just need to get in because they have experience. And I think the same thing applies to hockey. So those teams like Tampa Bay, who after getting swept by Columbus, learned their lesson and Boston or Washington or Pittsburgh, those teams can go very far because they have so much experience. Whereas like the Floridas and the Carolinas, as much as I love to see those smaller teams win, I don't know if their fate is really to make a deep run, unfortunately. But I hope again, too, that I eat my words and that a smaller team actually ends up having a lot of success and or winning at all. Cause the story with St. Louis winning was tremendous. I didn't want to see a team win that had won many times before, especially in Tampa Bay, like, them winning always on the, on the heels of someone else's heartbreak. Like it's uh, it's really tough to see that, but Hey, the circle of parody will, will make its rounds one way or another. And I agree. And you know what, honestly, Tampa and Boston, I also, I agree. I, I could see them doing very well in the playoffs. They, Boston for sure. Boston's always a playoff team and it's frustrating as a Flyers fan because they always end up playing the Flyers. It seems. And I always find the Flyers have the hardest playoff format because I'm biased, but they always have to play a Pittsburgh, Washington or Boston in the first two rounds. Um, in my experience of playoffs, I guess I should say. And, and that's frustrating because those three teams are playoff built teams. They have so much experience um, in the playoffs and the postseason. They're just, they're strong and they are, they're deep. They have players with a lot of experience. So I agree. I can see Boston or Tampa really same thing. Tampa just needed to get in. They didn't need to be first seed again this year and prove something after being back-to-back champs. They just needed to get in and I can still see them somehow. If somebody told me the Tampa won this cup a third year in a row. I would not be shocked because they have a good team still. Yeah, 100%. And if they won back-to-back, what's stopping them from winning a third? Surely. It'd be, it'd be fun to see. You know what? I'm not against Tampa. I like Tampa, so. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see for the NHL playoffs. And and that's when all the, the cards will fall and the and the things will, will shake out. And there's a tiny little animal that is so cute that you just picked up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, my cat doesn't like to ever be left alone. So he's he's joined the conversation now. Oh, no, please. I was literally just going to ask you about the mug because I, I see that you. Oh, yeah. I have cats and, all over my mug. Yeah. This was actually a graduation present for university. So. And I, and I know that sometimes when it comes to hard news and telling stories, sometimes you say, oh, like talking about animals, like what's that? But I always find that, you know, James Duffy, he, he brought up one of his little French bulldogs. And I was like, please, like you can bring the animal into the shot, Rob. He brought his lovely dog candy into the shot. I'm like, if you have beautiful animals, you can bring into the shot. There's never anything wrong with that because I'm always one for seeing cute animals on the screen, especially when it comes to people who do reporting from home. Those are the the, the funny moments that I think we appreciate as, as viewers when, uh, when we're in the midst of a pandemic or when people are in these funny scenarios. I agree. All the lighthearted stuff. And that's the thing with people working at home. It's constantly like kids or animals in their shots. So yeah. And he, he's literally my kid, so he's he's always in it. <laughs> he just That's the only cat you have? Yeah, well, I had two cats um, when I was in university, but they obviously lived with my parents. And then, you know, I was moving post-university, and I didn't really want to bring them with me while I was figuring out my life. And then I felt like they have, like, a bigger house living at my parents' place. And I was like, I don't 
want to move him into a smaller space because they have like a castle at my parents' house. And that I also, my parents were like, well, you could take one, but I can't separate them because they're best friends. So then I just got my own kitty just recently. So I just got Madden in January. And is that in honor of the late John Madden? It was. I got him right after John Madden had passed away. I had no name picked out, but we usually do sports names for our pets. And so when John Madden passed away, I was like, well, that's an easy, easy one. He's my little boy. And yeah. Well, that's the perfect name for an animal that is paying homage to one of the greatest to ever do it as a head coach in the NFL and, and also as a broadcaster too. Yeah, he truly, we were actually making a joke about John Madden today because we were talking about people who are afraid to fly. And then we brought up John Madden in his bus. <laughs> I, he was afraid to fly. I didn't, I thought he just had the bus because, because it was just cool. And it was him. I actually didn't know it was because he was afraid to fly. Well, I think he just refused to fly. He might've been afraid to fly. I might be mis. I might've misinterpreted that. I feel like I've read so much on it and now I'm drawing a blank, but yeah, there was a refusal to kind of fly and that's why he did his bus. So well, it's really neat. Yeah. It's that's his style. So I think that uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's uh, it's now lives on and people can, you know, appreciate it as a, as an artifact of NFL history. I was going to say, he's definitely one of the, uh, the greats in the NFL or a name that'll go down in history that people will always talk about which is awesome because he's the type of guy who should be talked about for generations to come. So Britt, we're getting towards the end of our time on today's episode. So what I want to do is something actually that I've not tried before, but a word association game. So I say a word and I want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind and what you think of when you hear it. Oh gosh. No matter what it is. Like when I say the word, it could be name of a player or a team or a year or whatever. And you just say what comes to mind immediately. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. Okay. So the first word I have for you is Labor Day or first phrase, Labor Day classic. Ooh. Oh yeah. I, ooh, I guess September. I don't know. Is that a word? <laughs> Cause it's always the first weekend in September. The, yeah. The, the Labor Day classic, I guess the game, like what, what makes what, what. Oh what my word? God. I had to give just a word. Okay. So what do I give? Yeah. Or what, what do you, what do you think of when you hear oh, the term of? Labor Day okay. classic? Um, yeah, you know what? I, I feel like I, I can like paint a picture of just like probably one of the last weekends you're going to have nice weather in Saskatchewan and rivalry and just, I don't know. It's, it's a game that you could tell me we lose every game all season, but as long as we win that one, that was always kind of as a rider fan, you beat the bombers. That's always the classic beat the bombers. Weston Dressler. Oh, I think of all Dressler uh, chips. He was one of my favorite riders growing up in my era. And I, they used to do like for their marketing team had created that once. I think it was the season they won the Grey cup. They, I don't know. I can't remember, but yeah, there was these chips, all dressler chips. And we used to buy them and Fantu's flakes or any Fantu's. I remember those ones too. I can't remember if they were any good, but that's what I always think of when I think of him. <laughs> 13th man. Well, I think of my heartbreak in 08 being at that Grey cup game. And I don't know. I don't know if my dad cried, but I feel like I've never seen my dad cry, but I feel like a tear might've come out of that, his eye that day. Gritty. Ooh, best mascot in sports. Probably the only thing the Flyers have going for them right now. Claude Giroux. Oh, heartbreak because now he's not a flyer anymore. And I really wanted to see him win a cup with the Flyers. Um, there's been two trades that I think I've cried over and one was Simone Gagne, my favorite flyer of all time. And that one, I got a little emotional, especially because he, he ended on his thousandth game with the flyers this season and the tribute and everything. Everybody kind of knew he was going to leave. So, but I'm excited to watch him with Florida in the playoffs. So at least I get to watch him in the playoffs. Sidney Crosby. Oh, that one hurts. I, I mean, my family's always like anti Sidney Crosby. I'm not going to say the guy doesn't have talent, but, um, we always call him like crybaby or like whiner, but I do think about um, one of the years when the Flyers were playing the Penguins in the playoffs. He uh, he had said something like, "I don't like any of them," and he was talking about the fans, the Flyers, everything, the organization, the city, and he'd said, "I don't like any of them." And the Flyers used to always, they still always make shirts in the playoffs for fans every game, and they put a different saying on them every game. And the one said, "Guess what? We don't like you either." And I remember that when and every fan was wearing it when they came back for whatever game it was. I think they ended up losing that series though. So maybe it was a curse. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I think they beat them in one series in the playoffs 
in recent memory, but other than that, it's uh, it's not been a, a good time, unfortunately. It's been a tough one, yeah. For Philadelphia fans. 2010. What sports memories do you have the most from 2010? Well, I would say yes, definitely. The cup run. I feel bad bringing it up so many times. Some people are going to be like, move on. They didn't even win. But it's all I have as a Flyers fan to hold on to. So heartbreak, um, but an amazing, that was such an amazing Flyers team. That might be one of the best teams that I'll ever see. Um, just with Jeff Carter and, and Mike Richards. And I mean, Giroux was even on that team. Uh, he was such a young guy at that time. So, oh, yeah, that, that was a, that was a good team. <laughs> the Boston Red Sox. Ooh, I would love to go to Fenway, even though, um, again, I'm, I'm anti-Boston for any team. Um, but I will say that one of my goals is to go to Fenway. So I don't know. I, I feel like, again, a very big rivalry in, in, in sports. So <laughs> the Phillies, but I'll try not to talk too bad. Now for the final part, what I want to do is ask some wrap up questions to have a little bit, before, have a little bit more fun before we part for today. And I, I did think that that went pretty well. I don't think any, any were stumpers. So now for the final part, who is your favorite Saskatchewan Rough Rider of all time? Oh, like I said, I think Weston Dressler. And I mean, it's not really anything to do with, I was so young, so I didn't really understand the game as much. Um, same thing when you just talk about players off the field and, and how you're rooting for him or them. And I don't know, I, I guess I just always, we were big Dressler fans in my family. You know, I think my dad, had, like that was one of the jerseys he had of the million that he has. And, and I don't know, it was just, it was just something I, you know, Getzlaff too was a big part of that. And uh, Getzlaff also obviously has a connection to his brother in hockey. And so that family was always somebody that you, you know, they or a group that you paid attention to. So that Don Narcisse actually is my dad's, I think, all time favorite rider. And that was who my very first cat was named after Narco. So Don Narcisse holds a place in my heart. I never watched him play, but he's a, an amazing human. So great guy. And I don't know. I don't even know if I can answer that. I feel like there's so many. Who is your favorite athlete that played for a team that you do not cheer for? Ooh, well, I guess I kind of cheer for the flames. I was going to say Jerome McGinley or Lanny McDonald, but I kind of like the flames. I'm Mike Fisher. I've always, I always liked the style of play Mike Fisher had, even when he played in, in Ottawa and then obviously went to Nashville, but I, I would say probably him. I really, yeah, I really enjoyed watching him when he was playing. And, and when he retired, I was kind of sad. And then when he came out of retirement for that half a season, I thought, oh my gosh, Nashville's going to get it this year. And I felt like I was always kind of rooting for him with Nashville. And I'm sad that they couldn't pull it out for him because I felt like he was somebody who deserved a cup. Of these three major championship events, which would you rather be at? A World Series game, the Super Bowl, or a Stanley Cup Finals game? Oh... And in the, oh, and in the case of the MLB and the NHL, they're series deciding games. So it puts it on the same level of stakes with the Super Bowl. Okay. Maybe the World Series, honestly. I don't know. Something about the World Series the last few years has really, really gotten me. The Super Bowl I like, but I like sitting and watching the Super Bowl with like friends and family because you get to watch the performance and everybody's having a good time. Whereas I feel like, yes, if you were at it, the atmosphere would be phenomenal. But I don't know. When you're, when you're with a really good group of people, everybody's always into Super Bowl Sunday. It's always such a big event to hang out with people and go watch it somewhere. So I almost feel like I could miss out on it. So yeah, maybe World Series. My final question for you is, who is a broadcaster or someone in the sports industry that you have looked up to and or still look up to to this day? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, when I first got into broadcasting in college, I remember they asked in our interview this question to get into the program. And at that time, I I said Leah Hextall because obviously Hextall is a very famous name in the Flyers organization and was. Um, and so, you know, and she has done a lot, uh, especially recently. I know she's taken a lot of heat lately and I know that's tough and I know females take it a little bit more in this industry, but she's somebody who rolls with the punches, my goodness. So I, I still look up to her. I still think, she works very hard. And I mean, I've seen that. I, I was able to meet her one time randomly in Brandon, Manitoba. We were at the same bar and she was a sweetheart. She was an angel and she was so good to me. And I was only like a year into the industry. And I was, I went up to her and I told her that I said, Hey, when I got into this industry, I said, I want to be like Leah Hextall. And she just treated me like a, a regular human. She didn't look down on me. And I don't know. So I've always appreciated that. So I guess her.
Well, there's one thing for certain. Leah is built Brandon tough and steak. <laughs> people from Brandon are as tough as they come. So she definitely carries a lot of pride in where she's from. And especially when, when you think back to the history of, you know, Philadelphia success and, and her being linked to, you know, successful people in terms of the Flyers organization and then being from Manitoba, it definitely is something that I think gives her a lot of brownie points in my eyes for sure. But I also know that she's done a lot of good work and continues to roll with the punches like the Broad Street Bullies and like, you know, people who are from Brandon, Manitoba. So that's that's definitely I I was thinking you would probably say that because I know that it's like she's supposed to be with the Flyers, she's in broadcasting, you know, she's from the prairies. But I mean, what's not to love about uh, about her character for sure? Absolutely. And I think that outshines everything. And I mean. She keeps rolling and she's going to do well and she's, she's already successful. And I can imagine she's going to be even more successful. So her, I mean, if any other, I mean, who's not going to answer Aaron Andrews, if you're a female sports caster, but she's just so lovable at every level. So her too. <laughs> and maybe someday that you, you will be able to be that person who someone says, yes, I want to be exactly like Brick Dork. Cause you never know. It all starts somewhere. And I think that's an important, it is an important thing to carry forth in industry. And especially if you're a woman in the industry to, reflect and say like, well, if someone inspired me, then who may I inspire? So Leah's definitely, that's what, that's what that makes me think of when you mentioned Leah, because she's someone who stands not necessarily alone, but in a small circle of people in terms of what she does uh, in hockey. I absolutely agree. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be somebody who uh, (laughs) others look up to, but if they do, God bless them. Thank them. Brett, with that, I want to thank you for having been on today's episode. It was super, super fantastic to chat with you. I'm really glad that we got to chop it up with sports fandoms and as well, relive some unfortunate heartbreaks, but also relish in some of the great successes that your teams have had, because I think that's an important thing about being a sports fan, as well to chat about how you got into the industry and to continue to observe the path that you uh, project yourself to be on. It was just really a pleasure. Well, that is so sweet of you. Well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. And you, uh, you broke my uh, broadcast or my podcast little thing. Like I've never done this before. So I appreciate that you took my first podcast. <laughs> thank you to the listeners as well for enjoying today's episode with CTV live reporter from Regina for sports. Rick Dork. First and goal from the one. This is it. Stiegel. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Check out our social media pages for more at huddleup underscore MB. For full audio, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For full video, head over to YouTube at Huddle Up with Matias Bueno. Tune in next week for another great episode. See you next time.